So one of the major concepts in James, something that we've talked about and we will continue to talk about throughout this study, is that James puts forth for us an idea of faith that unfortunately we forget about often. We often think of faith only as an intellectual assent. So a set of truths that you have to understand and that you know. And that's faith. And that's saving faith. And there is a truth to that. We, we do have to know. To be saved, we do have to understand that, that Jesus was a man. That, that Jesus came. That he lived. That he lived without sin. That he died in our place, taking upon himself our sins. That we might be forgiven. And that God raised him from the dead to show that Jesus Christ was all that he said that he was. All of the things that he claimed, that he was the Son of God, he was the Messiah. God affirmed this in the resurrection. And so these are very important. But I would challenge you, don't limit your idea and your concept to faith only to intellectual assent. James is going to say here in a little bit that even the demons know that God is one. It's more than just knowing. It's more than just checking things off a box. It's more than just intellectual. The faith that James talks about here, the faith that is a true saving faith, is a faith that not only believes the right things, but it believes in the right thing. It believes in Jesus. Hope in Jesus. You are in Christ. We love him. It transforms our heart. It transforms our affections. It transforms who we are and what we think and how we define everything around us because being in Christ is central to who I have become because I have learned these truths about Jesus. But that's not all. True faith. It, it's in our minds. We understand it. There is a cognitive element to it. There is a, there is a, uh, an element to it which we believe in it. But there's also an element that if you know something, you believe in something, should it affect the way that you do things? Right? If, if, <laughs> if I know that my car needs gas to run and, <clears throat> and I want to go somewhere and it's empty... Should that affect what I do? Yeah, I better fill it up. It all all goes together. This This is what biblical faith is. I want you to see this. I want you to know this. Too many people have been have been told that biblical faith is only assenting to a set of truths. To to checking off a a a statement of faith. Well, well, I know those things. And we must know those things. I'm not trying to downplay that at all. But if we have real, true faith, the faith that James wants to see in his people, the faith that I, as your pastor, want to see in you, the faith that I want to see in others as they come to faith and they learn the gospel, is a life-changing faith, a vibrant faith, a faith that matters in everything in our lives, not a compartmentalized faith that says on Sunday, this is what I believe. But if you see me Monday through Saturday, you'll find that I really believe something totally different. That's a real struggle, isn't it? And so James gives us today something that is essential for having this vibrant faith, this kind of faith that he is going to point to, this faith that works. This be not only hearers, but doers is the next passage that we're leading to. 
Uh, show, me your, show me your faith. Show me your works. A faith that works. James hits all of these topics. Why? Because he knows that his people know the truth. He wants to see them live the truth. He wants to see them live the truth. Something that's essential to having this kind of a vibrant faith is the way that we receive the word. The way that we receive the word. Not just that you know the word, but how do you receive the word? Do you have a faith that receives? Do you have a faith that looks forward to the word? This is what James brings before us today. And what we'll see in this text is that there are five marks that are mentioned. Five things that James is going to bring out that are essential for us to have this kind of a vibrant faith in our life. Five truths, five, five, five practices, five characteristics almost that we have to have. And I want to ask you as we go through this, does this, does this show itself in you? Are you this kind of a, a believer? Do you have this kind of faith? Do you, do you have these characteristics? We need them. If you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow in how Christ is working in you and through you, grow in your relationship to him, these things need to be active and present in our life. So what are they? The first thing that we see is that a receptive faith has open ears. It has open ears. It says, be quick to hear. The, the first mark here is, is that they would be quick to hear. If you remember, Jesus told the Jews when they disputed with him in John 8, he said, he who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. There is a spiritual truth that is at play here. There is a spiritual truth. If you are, uh, if you are a Christian, if you are born again, if God has worked in your heart and, and made you new, opened your eyes to his truth, opened your eyes to who he is. He has put within you the Holy Spirit. He has, as James writes here, implanted the word within you. That's a, that's a deep phrase right there. I don't know that we could ever probe all that it means. But part of this is that the, the, the spirit of God dwells within us if we are believers. Jesus says to these Jews, you don't know the word of God because it's not in you. Paul argues this also in, in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, the natural man, the one who does not have the Spirit of God, the one who is not saved, the one who does not regard God's Word as true, does not accept the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. Have you ever been laughed at because of what you believe? Yeah? Okay, here's why. Because that individual rejects the word of God. Rejects the word of God. They are foolishness to him. And you know what? At one time, I did as well. I didn't get an amen on that one. Okay? At one time, I did as well. Right? We all did. Many of you may have been saved when you were very young, and so you don't necessarily remember it. Some of you were saved later in life, and I've heard your testimonies of times and periods and things that you've said, some that you regret greatly, that you remember, of mocking the Word of God, of mocking Christians, of living opposite to what the Word of God says because it made no sense to you. But then 
God implanted this word in your life in a new way, in a different way, as James says. And so we must be quick to hear God's word. We must be quick to hear. We must have an eagerness to understand, to know God's word. Does that, does that resonate with you? Do you have an eagerness to hear from God? I see so many Christians, air quotes, who, who, who say they're a Christian, who say they believe the right things and they know what to say, and yet they utterly reject the Word of God. If you, if you speak to them and you talk about Scripture and you talk about the things that are plain and clear, I'm not talking about nuances that scholars all over debate. I'm talking about plain, clear things that have to do with how we live and how we respond and, and how we should be seeking to live, not that we would be perfect yet. And they would say, well, I just don't believe that. There is no eagerness. There is no authority of the Word of God in their life. Are you quick to hear? Do you have an eagerness to hear the Word of God? Do you have a hunger? Do you have a thirst that the Bible talks about? Psalm 119 is the longest Longest chapter in the Bible. Do you know Psalm 119 is just a psalm about the Word of God? Sit down and read it sometime. Break it up in parts. I know it can be daunting. But it's, it's beautiful. The psalmist just speaking about the Word of God and its power in his life. Can you agree with these statements? Can you agree as in 131 of Psalm 19 says, I opened my mouth wide and panted, for I longed for your commands. Do you have a longing in your heart for the Word of God? Do you need Him? Do you need His Word? Or do you think you're doing pretty good without it? We must be quick to hear. We must have an eagerness for the Word of God. This is something I can't tell you. This is something you have to evaluate yourself. Now, I can show you ways in which you can evaluate it. Is, is there an active faith of receiving in your life? Do you spend time reading the Word of God? Do you spend time eagerly anticipating the Word of God? You're, you're here today to hear and sit under preaching, and I'm glad for that. But are you really here to hear? I've met many people who go to preaching only to critique. There's not an eagerness. Oh, I got a name in there. <laughs> there's, there's not an eagerness to hear and understand the Word of God. There is, there is a, uh, not, not sitting under the authority of the Word of God, but a sitting over. Well, will that preacher say what I want? Will he say it like my favorite preacher on TV or radio or YouTube or however different ways you can say it today? Friends, is there an eagerness in your hearts for the Word of God? Is there an eagerness? This is, a, this is a, a paramount for our Christian lives, that we are continually taking in the Word of God, that we are continually looking for God to apply things in our lives. And, and this, just isn't the, this just isn't the written Word. Perhaps this is a, an eagerness with prayer, that we're looking for the implanted. Again, that, that, that implanted Word can, can mean a lot of things, but are you, are you looking for God in your life? Is there an anticipation? Is there a hope? Is there, is there a pursuit to know God in your life, there should be. There should be. We need 
a receptive faith. We need one <coughs> that is eager to hear the word of God. The second thing is, is this, this idea of a receptive faith. A, a, a receptive faith is a re, has a reflective response. Look at this in the passage. It says, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. A receptive faith has a receptive response. And again, the first idea is that we, that we hear quickly and then we're slow to speak. Now, a lot of times this passage is used just kind of as a general principle in life and, and maybe it's a good one. Be quick to hear, be slow to speak. Um, but, but more importantly, what James is writing about here is that when you are, when you are under the word of God, This has to do with the implanted word in us. This has to do with our response to the word, with our response to Christ, with the response to to God himself working in our life, our relationship with him. Are you reflective of the things that he's doing? Or are you quick just to get up and start talking? Um, I often get myself in trouble... because I'm reminded by my wife that I can't talk and listen at the same time. I have a horrible habit of, of when it comes in my mind, I start saying it. And, and she'll cut me off. I mean, she's, she's a lot nicer than many of you are. She'll, she'll just say, you're not listening. You're not listening. I'm not done. I don't think I'm alone. By the, by the, by the looks on the faces, I think... I think, I think many of us hear that. It's true. Uh, you know, the Lord gave us two ears that we cannot shut and one mouth that we can. Maybe that should, maybe that should tell us something every once in a while. How do you respond to the Word of God? The, the, the first question is, do you pursue it? Do you anticipate it? Do you look for it? Are you quick to hear? Do you want to hear God speak to you? Do you, do you, do you desire that in your life? The Bible talks about desiring the word of God like, like a baby desires milk. Um, I've had a few babies. <laughs> okay? Think of a small baby, right? You give them, that, you give, you give them the bottle, uh, or if you're nursing, they latch on and they're, I mean, they're just at it, right? And you think about that. It's a picture that, the, that we are given about, do we have that kind of thirst? Do we have that kind of hunger? Do we anticipate the Word of God in our life that much? Do you realize that you need God's wisdom for whatever you're going through? Do you realize that you need to know Him more, that you need to to desire Him more, that you need to see Him at work in your life more? Do you hunger? Do you thirst for that? And then when you're in situations where God is speaking to you, and, and God speaks best, hear me out now, God speaks best and most clearly through His Word. Okay? But he also answers our prayers. We can say, God, you're moving in this way. I see you doing this. I'm praying. You're answering. I'm going. God speaks to us through community with other believers. God speaks to us in many different ways. Are you reflective on that? Do you take it in? Friends, Many of it. There's, there, there's a great thing with being able to come every Sunday and sit under the Word of God. There's also a great danger. 
The great danger is, is that we would get so accustomed to it that we don't really pay attention. That the Word of God would be around us so much that we don't really pay attention. How much do you remember after you leave? Now, it might just be because you've got me preaching, but are you doing effort to try to be reflective on what God is doing in your life? Are you making effort to try to be reflective on these things, to to say, you know, if God speaks to you during a message, if God speaks to you during when you are, are, are reading through Scripture, during prayer, do you sit and, and, and take it in? Perhaps God says something you don't like. That happens, right? Perhaps the preacher just stepped on my toes. It's happened to me. How do you respond? Do you take it in? Do you think about it? Do you evaluate it? Do you say, this is an issue? Or are you quick to speak? How dare you? You don't know me. You don't know this situation. Often we're like that with God, aren't we? Or perhaps you're so quick to speak to try to teach others that you've never really let it set in yourself. We've all sat under people or or heard people that uh, it, not, just, not just in church, but in any field where they get new knowledge or they go and they, 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 they see a new study or, or something and all of a sudden they're out on it, right? And they don't really know. They didn't take the time to evaluate. They didn't take the time to listen. They didn't take the time to have a reflective response. Don't be that, like that with God. Be quick to listen Be slow to respond. Take it in. Be reflective of that which God is doing. Be like young Samuel. Eli told him when he thought he was hearing the voice of the Lord to say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. May we be like that. So we have to be quick to hear, slow to speak. The third attribute here, the third attribute of a receptive faith is to have a calm spirit. A calm spirit. Be slow to anger, our text says. Be slow to anger. Again, how do you respond to Scripture when it goes against what you want to do? This is a a big indication of our heart. This is a big indication of where our affections truly are. Do we love God more than ourselves? I've met many individuals over the years who went to church, got involved, but then issues like this happened. Well, I love her, and I don't care what the Bible says about marriage and how our relationship should be before and after marriage. I'm going to do what I want. I've heard many individuals say, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care what the Bible says about giving. This is what I'm going to do. We've got lots of things. There's lots of times that the Bible rubs us, right? It should. We're sinners. And it, and it should rub us. That's why it's there. It's there to direct us and encourage us and, and, and tell us how to live for Christ. Tell us how to live, how God wants us to live. That's what the Word of God is. And yet we're sinners, so we will and should continually be confronted with the Word of God. How do you respond? Do you respond hot and angry? 
If an individual points out sin in your life, a, a fellow brother, as we are called to do in Scripture, if someone lovingly comes to you and says, I see this and I'm concerned, how do you respond? Well, you don't know me. You don't know what's going on. Do you see how that works against a living and active faith? Do you see that? James wants, James, James wants these individuals to grow in the Lord. James wants them to have a teachable spirit, to have a calm spirit, a teachable heart. It says here in the text in verse 20, it says, For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. That's a passage that can be taken in, in many different ways, but I, I want to just try to apply it here in this setting that, that James is speaking about, about how we receive the Word of God. If we receive it hot-headed, it will not produce fruit in our life. Part of this, all of this, is, is based upon a principle that we understand the Word of God. We understand that we sit, again, I said this earlier, but under the Word, not over the Word. Many people try to sit over the Word as though what I think about it makes the Word of God right or wrong. We do that, though, don't we? It's, it's not a book that's up to debate or counsel for us to say, well, this is good and, and this, you know, maybe not so much. This is the Word of God. Do we know that? We say we do, again, we, we can check it off the list. We say the right things. But in our hearts, are we convinced to say, this is God's word. This is God speaking to me. As Paul writes and says, Theonumatos, living act of the, the breath of God, is this word. God's spirit is in this word. God's truth is in this word. And so I want to align my life to live according to this. That's genuine faith. That's the real deal right there. Not, not somebody who says, yeah, you know, when I was a child or 20 years ago, I went to a revival and, and I prayed a prayer and now I'm good and, and they live however they want. I've met them. Have you met them? They're all around us. They're all around us. That's not a living and active faith. That's not a faith that we should have hope in but a faith that says, I want to know the Word of God. I'm going to contemplate on it and listen to it. I'm not going to be angry when it steps on my toes, but I'm going to align my life to what it says. That's a real faith, isn't it? Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? That's what James wants us to see. He wants us to commit to this kind of a vibrant faith. What would be the opposite of, of, of receiving, receiving the Word with anger? Well, James says it in the next verse. Receive with meekness the implanted word. Meekness. That's, a, that's an interesting word. It means that you're laying aside some kind of authority, some kind of a power to accept something. I, years ago, I was at a church and we had, a, we had uh, an intramural volleyball team with other churches. And there was one church that had a volleyball team of all elderly ladies and i'm like 19 years old okay and all of my team is like 19 22 year old guys we wanted to just pound the ball on them but we didn't 
That's an idea of meekness, isn't it? The idea of meekness. Do you receive the Word of God with meekness? Do you look forward to it? Or do you get hot and angry? How dare you? How dare you? You're speaking to the God of the universe that has created you, and when He instructs you, you say, how dare you? Remember when you are a parent, or if you are a parent, and your child comes and says, well, this isn't fair, okay? I've got to clean my room. This isn't fair, okay? And then we go in. All parents go into the lecture, right? I buy the house. I buy the utilities. I pay for the food. You know, I do this and this and this. It is fair. We throw the same temper tantrum at God so often. Have a faith that instead receives the word, that receives discipline. In Hebrews, it talks about the fact that God is a good father because he disciplines us, because he wants to see us grow, because he wants to continue to work in our hearts and in our lives. You know, if you go, you go somewhere and you see a child acting horribly and the parents do nothing corrective, Right? We just shake our heads. We go, oh, go to Walmart this afternoon if you want to see an illustration. Every, you can walk down every aisle just about and you'll see it happen. But that's not how God deals with us. He wants us to grow. He wants our faith to grow. He wants us to grow in Him. And so He lovingly disciplines us. Many times it comes through His Word. Sometimes it comes through His people. Sometimes it comes through ways that you just don't know. But are you quick to hear? Slow to speak. Do you control your tongue? Do you not get angry? Fourth thing that James instructs us here is that a receptive faith, a faith that that receives the word and lives out in in a genuine faith, has a clean mind. Verse 4, or point 4, not verse 4. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. He is linking here what he had said before, put aside. This is, this is similar to the language that Paul talks about when he talks about in Ephesians, about taking off the old self and put on the new self. Friends, we live with our sin because we are sinners. One day, Christ will fully save us. When it says here, which is able to save you, that is pointing to the, the, the end salvation that we look forward to. Christ, in one sense, has saved us. We are confident in that because he purchased our sin, right? He, 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 he paid for our sin on the cross. He tells us that He will save us. He tells us that it is secure. So when there is a sense in which we have confidence and we know I will be saved because I trust in Christ. But yet there's also the process which we are working through where we struggle with our sin, where we grow and we learn in Christ. And hopefully we're becoming more like Him each day and every passing year that He who began a good work in us will complete it. And one day... One glorious day, we will finally, completely be saved. Amen? And we look forward to that. And we look forward to that. We need to be working to improve ourselves, our sanctification. We need to be coming more like Christ as we seek the Word. This is what's happening. Put off this filthiness. Put off this sin. 
We've already talked about this. Do we have a hate for sin? Or do we continue to play with it? You know, what are the things... Let, let, let's just do this. We have, we have been looking at a number of things here in James over the last few weeks. Temptation, sin, all kinds of things. It has been very, very... Uh, it, it steps on our toes, right? If you've been listening, hearing... What are the things that God has revealed to you over the last few weeks that you should take action about in your life? Have you done anything? Have you done anything about those things? And I don't know what it is. But if we're listening, if we have receptive hearts, if we're contemplating all these things that James is talking to, if we have this kind of a faith, that God is changing and working in us and working through His Word in our lives, then there should be things in our lives that we're saying, this I need to work on, this I have to stop, this I must do. Are you doing them? Is this happening in your life or are you ignoring the Word? Because let's face it, if God is speaking to you and saying, I want to see this in your life and you're not doing it, You're ignoring God. You're ignoring God. Right? That's not the kind of faith that we should have. That's not a true, vibrant, living, passionate faith that saves us. And I want to bring that out to you as your pastor. I want to bring that out to you. That's what I want, and that's what I want for each of you. That's why I continue to challenge you. I, I told you through the candidating process, I am, I'm very big on personal application. I could come up here and I could teach history lessons. You guys know I love history. I love theological, historical, you know, historical theology. I, I love it. I could teach it all, every week. But that's not what preaching is about. Preaching is about opening the Word of God, explaining the Word of God, and encouraging you to respond to God. Now you're like, that's what we got. (laughs) I told you this is the way it was going to be. I want to see you grow. Some of you have been in this church a long time. Some of you have been Christians a very long time. And you've been faithful. And you are godly saints. And I love you. But I still know that Christ is working in you. And it's my job to bring you the word and encourage you to receive the word, to continue to put off the old self, put on the new self, and look forward to the day that God will save us. That's, that's what I'm called to do as a pastor. That's what we're all called to do as we look at the word of God. The last thing is kind of a summary of all of this. A receptive faith welcomes the word. It welcomes the word. In many ways, what we're looking at here is reminiscent of the parable of the seeds. If you remember, Jesus talks about seeds that are scattered and what happens with them. In that parable, Jesus describes an unresponsive heart, and he says that the seed fell by the roadside and the birds quickly ate it, and it took no root at all. It was not implanted in any way. The next seed that he describes falls on the thin, rocky soil, This represents a a shallow, impulsive heart. This person receives the word with joy, but very quickly, the first sign of trial that comes about, the first sign of 
If you're going to have faith, then it's going to change the way you do this. The person falls away. We've seen that. The third place where the seed falls is on the thorny, thorny ground. And this represents a divided heart, a worldly heart. The thorns eventually choke out the plant and it dies. The common thing about all of these seeds is that none produced fruit. Now, this is a passage you'll never hear preached twice the same way I've learned. We like to read this passage and say, well, when was the person saved? You know, at what point? I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think Jesus is saying that a true, vibrant faith is one that produces fruit, is one that endures. And that's the fourth type of soil. That is the receptive heart. That's the same thing that James is speaking of here. It's one who hears the word, who holds fast to the word, and bears fruit in their life. Friends, bearing fruit means lots of things. We often read that and think bearing fruit only means that they lead other people to the Lord. Well, that's one way that we can bear fruit. Another way of bearing fruit is seeing your own self change in faith. Seeing your life change. Has your life changed? Perhaps your life changed a long time ago and you would say, back then it did, but now it doesn't change anymore. Well, why not? Are you still receptive? Do you still seek and anticipate the Word of God? Do you still uh, take it in and evaluate it? Do you take action? Do you put off the old self, put on the new self? Are you learning and growing in your faith? Until, until Jesus takes you home, you can continue to learn and grow in your faith. Don't give up on it. Don't give up on it. God is not done with any of us yet. Every day is a gift, and every day is a gift in which we can grow more like the Lord. Are we doing it? Are we doing it? Receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness. Receive the word into your life like you would receive a friend. Receive the word into your life like you would receive, you know, Christmas is coming up. I'm sorry. I love you all. I I love the church. I love being here. But how long does it take before you can get used to a Florida Christmas? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, I always grew up and the thing about Christmas is it's going to get cold. It's going to get it's going to snow. The leaves are going to (laughs) fall. It looks like summer to me still. (laughs) But Christmas is coming. How will you receive your gifts? You will welcome them. You will welcome them. Think about it this way. It says that that receiving the word, the implanted word, will save our souls. That means we're in danger, right, if we need saved. If you were in danger, you flipped over a car, and the paramedics come to cut you out of the car, how would you receive them? No, I got it. (laughs) I'm good. I'll figure this out myself. No, we would welcome it. We would want it. Do you see yourselves in need of God's Word like that? Do you see yourselves in need of it? Because if you will, then you'll be quick to hear. You'll be slow to speak. You'll be slow to anger. You will receive with meekness the implanted Word. How many of you have gone to a a heart doctor lately, had a a heart checkup? Many of you, I assume. Good, you need to... (laughs) 
Here's your heart checkup for today. What kind of a faith do you have? Are you quick to hear? Do you, are you, you quick to, to start talking, to spout off, or are you contemplative? Are you slow to speak? Are you always fighting the Word of God? Are you always fighting, saying, eh, no, I don't like that, I don't like this. How dare you say that to me? Or do you receive it and are slow to anger? Do you tolerate sin in your life? You make excuses for yourself? Or when God reveals things to you, or do you put aside the filthiness? Are you resisting God's commands to save you? Are you resisting His Word? Friends, I don't know. This is a heart checkup that you have to make on your own. But I will, every week that the Lord has me here, continue to bring you His Word Continue to try to apply it and continue to walk away after every sermon and say, now you act upon this. Now you act upon this. Today, how's the Lord speaking to you? Perhaps there's something very specific that you know you need to commit to. You know you need to change. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. I would encourage you, you don't have to sing right away. Pray to the Lord. Perhaps you want to come forward and pray. Perhaps you would like to speak to me. Perhaps you would say, Bob, I don't know that I am saved. I I don't know that I have this living and active faith. I want to talk more about it. Or perhaps for a long time, perhaps years, I don't know, God has been speaking to you. And today you are ready to step forward. You are ready to commit your life in a new way. I would invite you to do so. Be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. Put away all filthiness and wickedness and receive with meekness the word of God.